0: Welcome to Series 2 of York Hospital Ball. This week's guest is Nigel Pepper, a club legend with cult status, renowned for his committed style, long service and ability to score goals from midfield. Nigel speaks openly and honestly about his long association with the football club, including the highs of Wembley 93, the famous victories over Man United and Everton, as well as his career after York City, which included playing a significant role in keeping Bradford City up and playing in the Scottish Premier League. This episode is proudly sponsored by Haxby Sports Club. Haxby Sports Club is open 12pm until late every day, welcoming members and non-members into their comfortable, modern bar, where you can watch a variety of sports on widescreen TVs, play snooker, pool or darts, or just sit and relax. Taxby Sports Club also has a superb function room suitable to hire for any occasion, so why not pop in for a pint or for any function room bookings, give them a call on York 01904 768 Hospital Ball is a spin-off from York Hospital Radio, the views of our guests are their own and not necessarily the views of the radio station, but without further ado, here is Series 2, Episode 1. The man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Nigel Pepper.
1: Okay, Nigel, thanks so much for for joining us here tonight. I have to say, when I mentioned to people that you were coming in and being a guest on the podcast, they they all kind of had the same reaction and all spoke the same thing about you. Can you guess what people said? No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, the first thing was that you were a tough tackler. But then it kind of, like, progressed into, oh, he was, he was but he was a really good player. And then they started talking about your penalties and your free kicks and all that sort of stuff and the goals you got from midfield. Because you made your debut for Rotherham at 17. And I wondered whether it was because you, you sort of catapulted into men's football and you have to toughen up. Or, or was that some, you know, that aggressive nature was always part of your game sort of growing up? It was a
2: bit different from what you see today. I never saw myself as a dirty player. I just enjoyed you know physical side of game and tackling in my career I know I had a lot of trouble with suspensions and red cards but I never once and topped anybody you know they were always for tackles some of them admittedly probably not timed brilliantly because when you're trying to win ball it wasn't play it was just it was just part of my game and that's that's what it was yeah
1: I knew that you'd you'd sort of played for Rotherham from a young age and then you were sort of in the first team quite young experienced relegation and promotion at Rotherham Mm -hmm. you know all before you were kind of 20 that must have been a Real good
2: experience, sort of. Yeah, it was. It was great to start young. It was my own club, obviously Rotherham, and so I think I signed for them when I was twelve initially, and then went straight there sixteen when I left school. So, yeah, made my debut a year after. We had a good manager there that you know he'd have a look at kids playing and that, and if he thought they were good enough, he'd give them a chance. And myself and another lad, Martin Scott, he, he made his debut at a similar time, and and he Scotty went on did a lot, played at higher level, played at, at Sunderland for a long time. I think, you know, you look back and you think it's, it stands you in good stead. If you get in that early, it might be tough when you start playing in the first team at 17. But then as you progress through your career, you've got you, you've built up a lot of experience, you know, from an early age. And it, and it, it does help you. But you were managed by Billy McEwan,
1: weren't you, as well? And, and Billy, when he was at York City, he was, he was quite a sort of prickly sort of character, really, in, in the, the media and stuff. And, and you always got that impression he was like that like, with the players. What, what was he like back then? Because that was sort of late 80s time, wasn't
2: it? He was exactly the same. Exactly <laughs> the same he was yeah you know Billy sold me to to York and you know I, I came in a swap for Steve Spooner who went to Rotherham I got on with Billy much better after I'd left <laughs> Rotherham you know and that I don't, I don't mean that disrespectfully in any way I, I remember playing Blackpool away and we were winning one nil and I got sent off. He went ballistic, went absolutely ballistic. Whereas rest at lads saw it as they had a lad clean through and I brought him down. You no, know, you're taking one for the team type thing. And he pulled me after the match, told me I was getting fine this and getting fine that and all others. That was a bit of the attitude he had about my style of play, I suppose, at times. And, you know, he was a manager, he decided that he'd had enough and he, he swapped me for Steve Spooner. When I bumped into Billy a lot, Afterwards, you know, he managed Sheffield United, Darlington, you know, he managed a lot of and then obviously came to York and I spoke to him a lot after. And we had a lot better relationship then when I wasn't working under him. I think, I hope that he, he maybe had a little bit of respect for what I ended up doing as a player. But when we were together, we, we you know, we, we clashed a little bit. And uh, was Rotherham the team that you supported growing up then? Yeah, I used to go and watch Rotherham all the time, because like I said, I signed from when I was 12. My, my team I've always supported all my life is Newcastle, but I, the team I used to go and watch was obviously Rotherham, yeah. That, that swap deal then, how, how did that sort of come about? Uh, well, I had a friend playing here, Ray Warburton. He was at Rotherham with me, and Rotherham released him a couple of years earlier, and he came to York and, and did well at York. He told me that John Bird... Fancied me as a player and wanted me to come here, so I think there was a few conversations about how it was going to be done. And then Billy McEwen told John Bird he fancied Steve Spooner, and it ended up being a, a sort of a swap type thing. But I'm not speaking about a Billy. You know, he had his. He was the manager. He made. He picked the team and everything. But I did feel that I would play in games and I'd play well. And then if somebody else was available for the next match. I'd be the one to make way, and I, and I think it was because there was a bit of a clash with what he felt about my playing style. I think it was best for both parties that I moved on, and he probably felt the same. So,
1: so, so then you, you moved to York, and I and I guess that first season's massively overshadowed by the death of David Longhurst. I know you were only 22 at the time. What's your memories yeah. of that sort of time?
2: Yeah, it, it was. It was a tough time. Like I said, I don't just signed that summer, and I think was it the fifth game in or something. It was early on in the season, yeah. and anybody you'll speak to, a bit, I'll. I'm sure I tell you exactly the same. It was uh, it was out of the blue, you know. He was he was training well, he was playing well. There was no signs of him being ill, and in the game itself, he'd started off great on the night. I was just, I still remember the footage now that was on TV that night, and and I'm in the foreground talking to Tony Cannum. it's going on behind us? What's happening? But you just don't expect it, dear. So we just thought you know he's got a bad knock. He's you know yeah. he's. He's injured and that's it, We'll uh, he'll be sat up with a bit of an ice pack on us at half-time and it wasn't till half-time we were having a team talk. Somebody came in through the door and whispered to John Bird uh, what had happened and the match was abandoned and then at half-time it, it was surreal, wasn't it? It's just strange, it took a long time to sink in and I think as a club... Club did well because the team carried on playing and moved forward and puts things yeah. in perspective. It absolutely does.
1: That that first season, you know, you were quite established in that midfield, weren't you? Alongside, was it Sean Reid who was playing at the same time?
2: Yeah, I played with Sean Reid in that first year. I think he was only here for a one year. John Bird was the polar opposite of Billy McEwen. You know, he liked that steal and he. And I think he saw me and Reid as, you know. Couple of solid lads in their midfield that were going to dominate physically, and 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 I think he liked that. But uh, you know, as I've got older and more mature and, and and more experienced, you've got to have a balance. And potentially, really was a great lad, but I think playing together, it weren't a great pairing and not enough blend.
1: But I mean, you you got a few goals that season as well. And you scored against Scarborough, which is always a good thing for, yeah, for the York City supporters yeah. to see sent off three times they're all against Darlington. Was yeah. it you took a dislike to someone in the North East No, it was
2: <laughs> it was it was weird, wasn't it? And then the worst thing about that was it was in the paper before the third game about me not wanting an unwanted at-trick type thing. Right. You know, and, and for me that's crazy because the referee will read that, read that and, 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 and 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 it's in his mind then, you know, and I'd not been booked in that match and it was about eighty seven minutes I think on clock and I tackled somewhere and got a straight red. To this day I'm convinced that he'd read what were in paper and we actually signed the lad, I think, a week, two weeks later, who I tackled that night. It was John Borthwick. But, I, you know, it was never a red card in, in my view anyway. <laughs> you know, the press didn't help me putting that in paper beforehand. And I guess
1: uh, back then it was sort of before all social media and so where the paper mm. was, that was the thing that people read, wasn't it? I mean, the next season, again, you know, similar stats, you know, less red cards, but, but more, more goals, more games. It, you, mm. you know, at that age where you sort of, Twenty-two, twenty-three. It must be really good to be established and play. You must have played so many games at that point.
2: I always played games. You know, I was lucky until my career finished with a bad injury. I never really had a a nasty one. You know, I, I did tweak my ligaments a few times, but I don't think I had anything that kept me out for more than. Probably six weeks maximum uh, when I did my knee ligaments, but I always kept myself pretty fit and, uh, and available, so you, you do tend to play a lot of games, yeah.
1: And that, and that second season, I remember saying this to Andy McMillan, that the nucleus of that squad was, was really, really good, yet the team was struggling down mm. the bottom end. How big a difference do you think it made, sort of, John Ward coming in?
2: I mean, John Ward was great. I, I like John Ward, he, he's a great coach. You know, he was, he was a good manager, a good bloke to play under, communicative with his players. Uh, I liked him. He could deal with individuals as well, but if he had to be show some authority, he could do. You know, he'd do it his own way behind closed doors. But you know, he would do it. So I, I had a lot of time for John Ward. When I did smash my leg up a lot of years later, he phoned me up, which was great. He was manager at, at Wolves at the time. And he said, if I fancied some time, just go and stay down there and go and get some rehab done down at Wolves, which was great. You know, it was
1: nice. Yeah, that, really nice know, to touch, like... isn't it? So, so when Sir so John Ward comes in, like you say, he makes a big impact on the team. Are you thinking, you know, we can mount a challenge here when, when you see Paul Barnes in training for the first time? Belief I, I was
2: always a, a believer, you know. I, I, I wouldn't... Playing a game, of like, you know, if you know, you should think you're not good enough to do anything in, a, in in a league, you've got to be have have belief in yourselves. And like you said, there were some good players, and you, and you looked around the the other teams, you'd have to think every year that you have a chance. So we were, we were confident that we could have a good go at it and then it would never look no looking back really. It wasn't like we came with a late charge. We, it yeah. was a, it
1: well, was my first game I went to was the Wrexham game. I think it was the second home game where you won 4-0. Mm. You scored a penalty and Dean Carley saved, saved a penalty. And then I think I went to Tuesday night as well and they beat Torquay 2-1. Last minute goal, I think John McAfee might have even got it. You're responsible for me being hoodwinked really for, yeah. <laughs> for the last 30 odd years. But have uh, you to thank. That's, that's it, it yeah. at yeah, well, John. You're on penalty duty there, like like I mentioned.
2: Well, it was, it was a bit hit and miss, really. I've been told I scored 21 penalties for, for York. But when you look back now and you think, because every time I got suspended, Barney would step onto penalties. And then when I come back into the team, if he'd scored... He would be st- he would stay on him, you know. I, there was none of these silly handbags where you're dragging the ball off each other. But then you have to wait for him to miss. So I, although people say he scored a were lot, you putting him off. I'm <laughs> of trying, yeah.
1: What was the team morale like in that '93 team? Someone someone texted me and I, and I don't know what this means, but it said ask him about the madhouse
2: in Selby.
1: I don't know whether it was a nightclub or, or what. Or was...
2: I do believe there was a, a nightclub called the Madhouse in Selby. No, no further comment. Okay, that's fine.
1: But the team spirit must have been good. I mean, it yeah. it, it seems like you're all really close-knit yeah. and we were but we were from day one I remember
2: I still remember every Wednesday we used to meet in Burtonstone pub and have a few drinks in there and then go off and, to man and, house. and stick together to find <laughs> a man else, yeah. how big a blow was
1: it losing John Ward then partway through the season were, were you thinking oh this this could really derail us or, or were you still quite confident
2: the person that stepped up Alan you know a strong strong man strong character and even when John Ward was there John Ward was a fantastic coach, knew everything. If something needed putting across, Alan as assistant manager was always there. And Alan was a, a strong individual, you know, nasty, nasty, but in a good way, you know, in a, in a motivational way. And so when Alan took over, he did a great job. He picked up where John had left off. But it was a different sort of managerial approach, but still a positive one. And, you know, I got a lot of time for Alan as well. Nice bloke, but ruthless when he had to be. uh... Because
1: sometimes as well, when sort of assistants step up to being manager, it doesn't quite work because they've obviously got a different relationship with the players, haven't they? They can be maybe a little bit more palliative
2: than the manager because they're not picking the side. There was never a transition problem at all. He was always the coach. So, yeah. so when he stepped into manager post, everybody had utmost respect for him, and he, he knew how to to deal with all the players and everything. So,
1: when it gets to the playoffs, you got Bury two real tough games, weren't they? Really only settled by one goal. What's your memories of that? Because I, I remember the atmosphere being probably one of the best. Boomer they were Crescent. good
2: games. Like I said, that that sort of game, tight game, can be swung by one goal and. The thing I remember from it is we've got Gary Swan in. I think we've been expecting a few goals from him over here, and he didn't get any didn't to, until that uh, point. <laughs> balls a shovel put. Uh, <laughs> and then he came good in, in, in the playoffs. Did you, as so players, fun. give him a bit of, bit of stick for that then, sort of not getting the goals? Or... Yeah, but you know, in, in, in a banter type way. Yeah, and then, then it, yeah, what can you say when he comes and does that end of season? Great header against yeah.
1: Bury, wasn't it? Then Wembley. Andy Matt was talking about this footage yeah. you filmed this footage of interviewing players and Andy's desperate to get hold of this and no one seems to know where these lost tapes are.
2: I think it's hidden somewhere. It's probably in the madhouse. <laughs> mad yeah. Tony Cannon. I loved him to death. Great bloke. Been here about forty years I think <laughs> when I got here. But he was great. He was a funny, funny man and we did the video on, on the way on the bus with the Wembley game and stuff. Having a bit of a dig at everybody even and even including Alan Manager and everything. It was it was a, a funny, funny film. It is around somewhere,
1: but I, I don't know who's got it. The search is on. We've had a few uh, people tweet in to sort of say where they <laughs> think it might be. And I was reading as well after the Wembley game. You were suffering in that in that game with
2: fatigue. It was a strange year because I'd, I'd gone to Jeff at the start of season and said I'm just I'm absolutely knackered. And he said, oh, yeah, it's been a tough pre-season. You know, the games will be starting soon. You'll be fine." And then about ten games in, I said, "Jeff, I'm absolutely knackered." He said, "Yeah, you know, you know cup games obviously you start a week twice a week, twice a week." He said, you know, we'll be dropping off soon. You'll be fine, you know. Christmas time, New Year, two, three games yeah. a week and all this and that. He said, you'll be fine. And at the end of the season, I remember winning at Wembley, and I just remember sat in the dressing room looking round, and everybody were going mad and, you know, yeah. champagne and everything flying out. And I'm sort of sat there, you know, thinking I should be in the middle of that. And yeah. I, I want to have a kip. I was really quiet <laughs> and, and tired, and, and I made the decision myself. I went to the docks myself the week after Wembley and he tested my blood in front of me and I saw the result and I knew straight away I was diabetes because I'd watched, I'd been watching Gary Swan do it all all year because he was, Swan was a diabetic you don't know what it is so you just crack on but it was just just tired and drinking so much fluid day after day after day so, so I guess when
1: Steve Tuttle handballs it in the, the last minute he's gone to extra time yeah, you must yeah. have been doubly devastated Thanks thinking oh, I've
2: yeah. got to do another half yeah. hour here so he'd just come on as sub yeah. he? so I just wanted a bit more game time at Wembley I think didn't <laughs> he it was a great day as well it wasn't my best game I didn't think at Wembley as an occasion you look back now and you think the massive of course you scored one of the penalties things. as well didn't you which you can
1: say you scored at yeah. Wembley yeah well
2: because I always look back now and I always set to dinner when I see him I scored the winning penalty because I took the fourth one, and, right, and they only got three. Jenna argues he got it, but I, I think, yeah.
1: And then the following season, I, I said to Andy Mack, I, I think that was arguably the best side that, that I'd, I'd seen, you, that you have, yeah. you know. That must have been quite
2: a frustrating season for you, because you started really well, but then you, you got got an injury. I had a knee ligament injury, but th- that was a frustrating season because, like I said, we started well, and in that division, we were good enough to go on and do some of that year. I I don't know how much the club wanted it. To be honest with you, did they want to go up again, another another league? But I just think the chance was there. If ever there was going to be a chance to go again, that that was it that year. And it would have just took a couple of signings, I think, just to strengthen uh, in a couple of areas. But you know, if key players would have picked up injuries, you, you'd have struggled. I always look at Paul Barnes. You know, what a turnaround for a club. N- never would he be in my. But somebody's I would describe as being a great player. But he'd be first name on my sheet every single week. Because he, he could have a stinker and Paul ball had dropped to him at boxing, it's a goal. And yeah. he, he would guarantee your goals. That's why they're worth money, strikers, because you know it, it was a team that was working hard and had a bit of something about it. But then when you've got somebody at the end of that, that's going to guarantee you 20 goals plus a year. Here's the difference, I think, for York moving forward. And like I said, the following year, if you just add a bit more to strengthen because you've gone up a division.
1: I mean obviously the season uh, after Ben starts getting broken up a bit doesn't it because obviously Paul, players start you know, leaving then yeah, and it's, leaving.
2: it's difficult to lose players like Paul kind of Barnes, John McCarthy John McCarthy just so effective he was he just he didn't have dazzling skill but he just ran past people and put ball in the box
1: 94-95 five goals one against your old club Rotherham at some of the games that season beating Birmingham 2-0 in front of nearly 7,000 Booth and mean, they, they were you know fantastic times for the club weren't they and are you kind of aware
2: of that at the time? Are you- the, the way I would look at it would be as good as that times oh. were that year after Wembley just a little bit more a little bit more from the club could have seen the club go on to even bigger bigger things and you know, I I look at Bradford when I was at Bradford and Bradford and York at the start of my career, I would say were two clubs mm-hmm. on a, on a par. And then when you look where that went, because they went, they pushed that little bit further. Do you think Alan was quite happy with his lot? I think Alan being a football man and and Alan was a winner, hundred percent winner. You know, I'd, even in training, he'd want to play every day, every five side, he'd want to be involved, and he. Kick lumps out of his own players he would he would because he was a winner I would think he was looking and hoping for an injection of a, a few players and I would imagine that the no came from above him poor level
1: let's get on to the Man United game what are your memories of, of that game
2: you know it's a massive draw for us I don't think there was a single player in our squad that thought we were going to get through it but you know playing it and to play at Old Trafford it was it was an amazing feeling like you say exciting and then and they're unbelievable.
1: The team lineup wasn't their strongest, but it still had like seven internationals in it.
2: You're going there for the occasion, I'll be honest with you. If I was being the manager or the captain on that, I'm just saying, look, go out and enjoy it. See what happens, because you never expect to win. And people have said this about about the team. I think their team that night was ridiculous. It, it was still... Yeah, Lee Sharp, Ryan Giggs, McClare. Lee Sharp, Giggs, G-Z, McClare, Beckham. Pallister, Neville, it was a ridiculous team. I, th- I think the, the two that you'd go back and look at are the goalkeeper and the centre-half because we had such a goal threat. And I'm thinking, if you're going to leave two out, they're the worst two to leave out. Because yeah. Barney, like I say, he could have gone 89 minutes at Old Trafford and done not a sausage. But at some point, a ball would have dropped to him in 18-yard box. And you know, it, it remains how many times during his time at York City... When that happened. Not every striker would have tried to take that yeah. shot on that he did, yeah. but he did, didn't he? As soon yeah. as he
1: gets a sight of goal, hitting yeah. it from distance. But you, but you had a few ones yourself from distance, didn't you? At what point were you thinking, you know, fancy this here?
2: Well, probably early on. If you watched Liverpool kids play last night, I thought they were going mean, to... Yeah. They were 4-0 down at half-time. I was flabbergasted because they were great. And I, th- I think I had a similar feeling for us because we were playing well. It, it was 3-0. And if we'd have beat them 5-6-0 that night, you know, they couldn't have argued. Because yeah. we had other chances as well. Your know, band's had one that was offside. That that wasn't. I look back yeah, was, and I think, yeah. well, if that was
1: VAR these yeah. days.
2: It'd probably stood. I think before the game, you thought you know it been thousand to one. But during the game, I think the longer it went on, then the better we were playing, and then...
1: you think one, once once the second goes in as well, and the yeah. and Gibbons sent off, you know, and obviously yeah. it was your ball crossed to Tony Barris as well for the third.
2: He's one that now I look back. If it hadn't been for injuries, he's one that could have gone all the way. He was a great player. The QPR game, you were suspended. How, how does that feel for you as
1: a player? Because you must be cheering the lads on, but there must be a part of you that's really good. You're not yeah. out there, you know. It's, it was a great atmosphere for the York fans that night.
2: It was, yeah. It was really disappointing because I, I remember in the second leg here against Man United. I got booked in that one. Paul Skulls took a horrific dive. I tell myself I've had lots of sendings off and yellow cards and all sorts. I'd tell you if I had, but I didn't even touch him, and he he, he went on a, a dive, won a free kick. Yeah, it was disappointing to miss the QPR game, but lads played well for a long time in that match. I think the longer the game went on, the more likely they looked. Yeah. But I thought first off we played really well in that game as well. Yeah, and scored early doors as well, didn't they?
1: But yeah, sorry, I almost bypassed that that second leg of Man United. What, what what was that like coming up against sort of like a because he'd just come back from his ban but yeah, but obviously a yeah. and crescent it's different isn't it because it's it's your home so does that yeah. put more pressure on you as knowing that you got that three 0 lead and what do you do do
2: you stick or twist and I think the pressure came from the three 0 lead you know because now people were saying could they do the yeah. sort of impossible I suppose type thing and then you talk about the team sheet at their place how did that make us feel then the team sheet comes through at our place. And it was ridiculous, Um, the team there are, obviously, Schmeichel in goal, just looks like nothing's going past (laughs) him ever, and it was a tough game, and that was the game Barney and Scott Jordan yeah, I mean, kicked I, I, it together I've still watched it yeah. watched it back recently and thinking I still can't work yeah. out did Barney get it in the end I don't know I think Scott I think
1: Scott Jordan might have even did got it? it in the end yeah.
2: it was uh, that, that goal that got us through wasn't it so it's fantastic it doesn't really matter who got it does no, it It's
1: brilliant who out of those two games was a tough competitor
2: would you say sort of looking back Steve Bruce was immense at Old Trafford he came off the bench when the lad got sent off and I think until he came on we dominated him physically verbally and you know on pitch and then he came on and he showed what it was all about you know and he was he was rocketing everybody and trying to get people going but by that time you know damage was done and we were in front and he was immense when he came on I loved I love seeing that sort of performance you know although he went on on for long just you could see why he'd been a captain. So was there any sort of verbals
1: between yourselves and Man United in that second leg? Not that I know.
2: No, there was none of that. I think they were just letting their football do talking, weren't they? Because they, were, they went 2 and up very quickly, didn't they? And it could have been more... Is it physically
1: really difficult in a game like that then? Because, you know, there's a big crowd and the pressure's on, which must sort of sap your energy a bit anyway. But then you're kind of probably chasing the game far more than you would in, say, a league game against teams that are, you know, very similar.
2: Well, I don't think we ever were chasing the game. If anything, the opposite, you know, you're starting to hang, hang on and hold and back a little bit because if we'd have chased the game, they'd have beat us 10 against them. They'd just pick you apart. So you needed to, to wait. And I think if you're out, if they'd have won 3 0 at their place and then gone 2 0 up here, then it would have been a long, hard slog. But even when they went 2 0 up after whatever it were, 10 minutes, yeah. we were still in front. So you've still got that pushing you along and pushing you along. And yeah, nothing drastic changed during the game, just going out and sticking to your planning. Did it feel like a long yeah. second half? Yeah, it felt like a long 90 minutes. <laughs> it, it, but we'd done our hard work in first leg, you know, and like you say, it's two legs, you know, there's, there's no point being brilliant in one leg if you're pathetic in the other one.
1: That season, personally for you, was probably your best. I think goal-scoring wise. To that point, you'd got nine goals that season. We we sort of stay up on the last day of the season, playing Brighton on like a a random like Thursday lunchtime.
2: Well, it got abandoned, didn't it? During yeah. during the season, I'm sure they had to beat us, but they had to beat us by so many goals, and that would have then kept Carlisle. Right. I think Carlisle would have stayed up if we'd have lost by more than three goals. Carlisle would have stayed up on goal difference because, as I understand it, the Carlisle chairman at that time, Knighton, was Knighton, it? Knighton, was I it, yeah. I think he went down that day and put some money on the table for Brighton, as I understand it, to uh, go out. But Brighton, I think they'd already finished mid table, so they were on the, on the beach. Uh, they were all on holiday mode, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you, with the season already ending for everyone else, you knew what you had to do, so that must have been quite helpful yeah. in some respect.
2: Yeah, I mean, we could have gone down and lost 2-0 and still stayed up. We're confident we could go down and get a result. And especially when you think they've finished their season mid-table, win, lose or draw, they weren't going to be particularly hungry, I didn't think, and as it turned out, they weren't. He obviously didn't offer him enough money, did he? No, should have put (laughs) some more money down, yeah.
1: So the following season, you had a flying start, four goals in the first six games. You get 14 goals by February. Before all that, played Everton as well in the League Mm. Cup. What's your memory of those two games?
2: Well, you t- we talk about the Man United game. Probably Man United 1 is the one that everybody remembers because of the stature of Man United. But two games against Everton were the best that we'd played. That, for me, was the game down here, second leg at Bootham Crescent, that launched Graham murty because he was unplayable against. He, he he ran the show for us that night. 3-2. Three, three three, yeah. three, three, and he got yeah, the second,
1: so. to be fair, in late injury on, time. Right, yeah,
2: yeah. Late on, yeah. But we played well at Everton uh, at their place as well and and give us that chance in second leg. It's always good to see young players come through and do well, and there's some good players, right? And Jonathan Greening was coming through at that time as well. He did all right, though, didn't he? He did all right in his career, yeah, (laughs) yeah,
1: just a bit. So then, yeah, like I said, 14 goals by February and then you joined Bradford City for £100,000 Chris Kamara signed you
2: how did that move come about it was it was strange and again there were all the mutterings about so and so and so and so club and so and so club you're trying to put it off but I had been contacted myself underhand I suppose by somebody asking me to go and this wasn't Bradford this was another club as I understood it I, I was coming in the week before I went to Bradford we'd played Walsall on the Saturday beat them and I'd scored in that and then we played Preston on the Tuesday night and we beat them and I scored in that as far as I understood it from York City and from the other manager I was going to sign for this club on the Wednesday so I came into work on a Wednesday and I was told then that the York City chairman had changed his mind and I wasn't going there now that made me look a little bit stupid because I'd, I'd agreed everything at the other end and sent home told go home and get yourself ready for a match on Saturday I did get a phone call before on the Thursday saying that uh, another club's come in and they're going to let you go and talk to Chris Kamara. So I went and spoke to Chris and signed. Sam what was it day. like, Chris Kamara? Oh, he was brilliant. Man. I can say this now because he's not working under the same chairman. I went and met him in an hotel and he, he made me an offer I said no and I said I've already spoken with the other club that yeah. I, where I thought I was going and this is what they have offered he says I knew you wouldn't come for that he said, I'll just phone my chairman and tell him where we're at but I'm, I'm just saying not saying this because of the negotiations I'm saying because of what the sort of bloke you were so he phoned his chairman up and I got up to walk away and he grabbed hold of me and sat me back down and he said uh, I'm in a hotel with him now I've had a chat with him he's already been offered this by the other club and chairman said well, what do you want to do he said, I want to get him can we beat that and so he said do it now but he did it all in front of me you know and, the, and I signed that contract things were going quite well obviously towards the end of the season and he said look keep this up to end of the season I'll rip this contract up and give you another one and we had a great finish at season obviously managed to get himself out of bottom three and stay up and we had a, a meal that night after that last game at season and he pulled me and said come in on Monday I went in on Monday and he, he ripped my contract up in front of me and gave me another one man of his word I found.
1: Looked at your record there I mean you scored against Wolves, Stoke, Charlton, you got two against QPR that was live on Sky all of these in front of like 15,000 each time and that QPR game you played like a man possessed I mean you, you got two goals but you also won the free kick through sort of sheer determination third one that you get I mean that, that has to be up being one of your best goals you've ever scored
2: yeah it was a it was a nice strike wasn't it? In, uh, indirect free kick just inside the box wasn't it? great time at Bradford it was because I remember when I went he was saying oh we, we're in trouble we, you know, we're in relegation we need to get out of this relegation and everything so I signed on the Friday Friday, and then we played on Saturday at home and there was like 17,000 then I'm thinking a relegation dogfight and well I mean the, the last was, game you
1: played for York it's was that you mentioned that you scored yeah.
2: that was 2,515
1: so it's a massive yeah, jump in it in terms jump, of the, yeah. it was not nice. intimidate you it was all, nice you know.
2: it, it was great to play in front Obviously, i I played in front of crowds before but it had mainly been away fans the run into that the end of that season I think there was only about Twelve games left when I went, and I got sent off in one of them, so I missed a couple of them. But the ten games that I played in, it was like you know, minimum fifteen, seventeen thousand for every home game. It was, the fans were unbelievable.
1: Looking at what Bradford then went on to achieve, I mean, if it had got relegated that season, then that mm. all might not have happened, and you kind of helping them
2: stay up must make you really proud looking back. It does, and I, and I look at Bradford uh, there, and, and it was the next step up. It was Championship to Premiership. When I left for Aberdeen, we were third. In Championship, and the difference then at that time, Paul Jewell was given a bit of support, and he brought some good players in, you know, and he had a few bit of strengthening throughout the season, and he stayed there. What an achievement for a club the size of Bradford, from where they were. If you'd have gone back ten years before that, and they're suddenly in Premier League, it was it was incredible what what that club did. Financially, I think they made a few errors when they went up to Premier League, and that resulted in some not so good times over the next probably eight or ten years. But just for a club that size to achieve that and get up there, and for me, not that year getting into the Premier League, the year after when they stayed in the Premier League, beat Liverpool on the last day mm. of the season, that was an even bigger achievement. You know, staying, beating Liverpool to stay in Premier League was unbelievable. And I remember speaking to Paul Jewell after. I don't think he was given the appreciation for what he achieved that year. Probably the reason... He left.
1: It sounds like you you sort of look back like a Bradford fan as a result. Yeah, I and... do.
2: I, I, I love my time at Bradford. I, I go across to Bradford games. They have a Legends Bar there, and so I get invited back across there one for one of the games once a year. You know, and they do a little yeah. speech and question and answer thing in, thing before matching at half time and that. So it's still a great setup.
1: Did you appreciate that bell at Bradford probably more because you were a little bit old? Did you I, mean,
2: think... I was tw- I was 28 when I went and signed for Bradford, so I, you know I had a good time in my career. Career, but still had a good few years left. It was brilliant. It was just great sign there, you know, and, yeah. and suddenly you're playing in a team with Chris Waddle. I've looked at Chris for a lot of years, obviously, previously, and I'm thinking, you know, how good is he in that? And to play with him, what it was unbelievable. You know, it was like the ball was Velcroed to his foot. It was mm. unbelievable.
1: A bit starstruck then, training with him and...
2: Well, I was with him, particularly with Chris Waddle, because obviously I'd supported him Analyze, as, a, as a fan. But there were some some great, great players. There Max Schwartz
1: was there as well, wasn't he? Schwartz that, that left time. that
2: year. Adinho. But, um Adinho, great lad, yeah. Gary Walsh, goalkeeper that came in Man from my. I remember yeah. watching him at Man United and thinking, well, oh, he's not up to that level. I remember thinking that he's the best keeper I've ever seen. You know, in, when we came to Bradford, he's just frightening, powerful, strong, great shot stopper, and that. And I think you know, looking at people like they, it makes you realise the older the more experience you get, and the more you see, is you don't really see the true until you see him live, you know, and that's why oh, still, still, still seeing live games is better than watching a dozen games on telly. I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, some of those teams you were playing as well, like Middlesbrough, Sunderland,
2: West Brom, Birmingham. I mean, yeah, big clubs are week in, week out. Week. Yeah, Man City were in Championship as well. That yeah, year. Forest it's, as
1: well you're becoming a real goal-scoring midfielder at this point I mean you've always mm-hmm. got goals for York City you know five a season whatever penalties many, but, yeah, but that, sort of that know, season you're obviously yeah, hitting yeah. 20 aren't you was there a, a change in position or was there a change in you or
2: I don't, I'm not saying there was a massive change in what, what I did um, maybe just got a bit better at finishing maybe I don't know but it was one of them years where you, a lot of what I did seemed to come off my favourite ever goal that I scored for me was against Man City at Bradford at the end of the year I remember we, we beat them 2-1 and at the end of the year we had the, the, this dinner and awards ceremony it said oh bad for goal this season in our game at home against Man City and they get up to the other one <laughs> you know the first one we <laughs> you're so just about to get up Yeah, I thinking, there we go yeah. <laughs> well I remember fun. one of the goals here for example the Preston one the game before I left I'd actually tried to smash it on an angle from corner 18 yard box and it had just flicked off the defender's toe and lobbed right into the four corner right. you know total fluke you know I, a, I seemed to have that look that year where things happened for another year did I miss his foot and gone straight into goalkeeper's hands I think you, you need a bit of luck don't you some years but it was nice to have a season like that to score that many goals
1: moving on to Aberdeen then big money move again Bradford are making three times what they paid for you on a couple of years later
2: do you have any regrets not just because the
1: fact that Bradford then did go on to the Premier League does that make you look back and think you know what if I'd have, if I'd have stayed or, or was it just not an option to stay yeah. was it that look we've accepted a bid and for a footballer no, no, no! I was
2: given the chance. There was another club in for the same club that I was going to sign for when I left York. Very secretive uh, about this club. Uh, well, it was Burnley, I'll tell you. <laughs> Burnley had come back in for me at Bradford and made an offer. Paul Jewell had said to me, it was up to me whether I went or not, but he was great, Jagger. Fantastic bloke. Honest, open. He was sort of saying, we'll give you the contract that the other clubs are offering you if we go up. But the thing was, at that time, it was Christmas, we were third in Championship I looked at uh, then and sports people and, and I thought yeah, are, are we seriously going to stay at top end at Championship and go into Premier League and I think the reason I left was because I thought probably not so mm. I, I took bird in the hand I suppose as you call it uh, but as soon as Bradford went up and there was nobody more happy than me when they did go up I was chuffed for the club and everything and for Jagger but I did wish I'd have stayed then.
1: So why Aberdeen then over Burnley? Because I guess if Burnley were coming for you again, and you're not thinking, "Wow, this team really want me," and. So it's really far north as well, isn't it, Aberdeen? I've it is. Never been it is.
2: And there was some football politics in, involved in it that right. were out of my hands. But the main factor was, is Bradford wanted me to speak to Aberdeen because Aberdeen offered more money. Do you have an um, agent in them days, then? I did have an agent. Can't remember what they really did for me, but <laughs> <laughs> took money off me. It was, <laughs> it was one of them. They came in and sort of agreed a contract that you would have agreed anyway. Right. It is, and yeah. then take a slice. And they were never going to get much out of me, were they? Because it was. I wasn't getting anything off the field from them, and that it was just my contracts that they used to sort out.
1: So, so Aberdeen, was it just not a good fit, really?
2: None of the sendings off that I got up there would have been a sending off down here. None of them. I, I, I speak honestly all day about my sendings off. Some deserved, but some not, and none of them were sendings off. I, I went in for one tackle at, at Motherwell and took the ball, you know, but. Maybe he's followed through a little bit onto top player, but Danny here it might not even have been a foul. A foul, yeah. yeah. It might just have yeah. been a big row. And get so you'd on struggle with, it. with the adjustment from kind of knowing what, I did. what was acceptable and yeah. what wasn't. Then. I did, and then I got sent off against Celtic. I got a two match ban, and the two match ban was up on the Saturday, and we played on the Tuesday night. and I didn't think I'd be involved straight away on Tuesday, but the gaffer said, I'm going to put you on the bench tonight. I said, right, fair enough. And he brought me on off the bench, and I got a straight red card after 16 seconds. Now, you know, a lot of people bring this up and laugh at this because it was live on Sky as well but to me that just summed up my 18 months at Aberdeen it's just laughable really you know because unless you go out and punch somebody you don't get sent off after 16 seconds it was a a tackle a foul yeah booking maybe they're sending off never in a million years, and I, I've got photos on my phone still today of their players consoling me and that, and that like because it was just such a joke. I don't know. So it's almost again, like media. the opposite of Bradford. Then
1: everything you hit at Bradford was going in, mm. and, and that season was great. Whereas everything at Aberdeen was kind of you yeah. just couldn't catch a break, and everything mm. could have got what could have gone wrong was going wrong.
2: The manager got sacked at Aberdeen after about not long, a few weeks, and the, that Mil- the, 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 Alex yeah, Miller, it? yeah, yeah, and they brought Eric Skovdal in, and he was all right. I, I liked him. He was a good bloke. He, Picked me and kept playing me and playing me and playing me, but even he after kept saying you can't get keep getting sent off. You can't get sent off. Yeah. You know
1: you're always strong in the tackle, were mm-hmm. not you? And that's not a, yeah. a bad thing. Your age as well. You're not going to suddenly completely change the way you play yeah. because that's how you've played for, and been successful.
2: But the ones that I had three sendings off up there, and all three of them were were, were nothing, nothing challenges. At worst, the yellow, they're absolute worst yellow cards. If I was still there now, I'd still be getting sent off. I think it was just something that got into the mindset up there. I was warned before I went up. Dean Wynnast warned me not to go. He said, don't go. You'll you'll not cope up there because of referees. He'd been up there before, before and, like you said, I'd, he'd had similar problems and he, he warned me about it. And You always think you know better, don't you? But he, he was right.
1: Did, did you get a chance to play at Ibrox and Celtic Park? Yeah, in, in those yeah, times it was either?
2: crazy. We'd, I think, played at Celtic Park. I think there was 63,000 there and there was... 1,500 Aberdeen fans He actually played in goal at day of And I think they got beat 5-0 And he was probably our best player right. On the day the, the problem up there was He had Celtic and Rangers Which could have played in Premier League down here And then the other 10 teams Were championship teams That's the way I viewed it When I was up there Celtic and Rangers had some gr- some great players at that point, at that time. Uh, Henrik Larsson was up front for uh, you know Celtic, just different class I think from the the squads that they had to the squads the other ten teams had.
1: Was it honestly you going into those games thinking well, if we keep it down to three here, we've done yeah. done quite well, yeah. and that must be a strange mentality.
2: We played Celtic four times that first season, and we lost all four and didn't score a goal it was not a great record
1: and then you moved to Southend didn't you under, under Alan Little yeah, uh, yeah on loan was that yeah. just to try get away from, from Aberdeen to sort yeah. of reset your career And
2: well I was, I was desperate to get away from Aberdeen and I got a phone call from Paul Joe my manager from Bradford and he told me that Alan Ball had just made an offer for me for Portsmouth, and Aberdeen had accepted it. So he says you'll be going down tomorrow to talk to him. And so short car journey, back not it? I, well, I was, I was. Well, that's what I thought. It was a fair, fair <laughs> trip. But I was in the dressing room. And so I came out the dressing room to phone my wife and tell her, and I, I fell downstairs, fought just four stairs outside the dressing room, tweaked my cartilage. So they went in and they did it. Through, I was back in two weeks. You know, they did it just through yeah. keel surgery. But in the two weeks that I was out, Alan Ball got sacked. <laughs> right. so, and that's when Alan said, you know, come down here uh, online and it was great. It suited me just to get back down to England. Was he just yeah. pick
1: up where you left off with uh, of Alan then? Yeah, he
2: knew me, yeah, it was great. And Neil Tolson, who'd been here, yeah, yeah. he was playing down there then as well. So, what, yeah, it was good. Was was there ever a chance of going there permanently? Uh, there was some talk of it, but I'd just bought a house back in Rotherham when Scunthorpe came in. It was it was a good fit. It was, you know, half an hour down ride it.
1: Yeah, and they made you captain as well, didn't they? Yeah, yeah.
2: for the few games that I was. I was was there
1: and and then that's where obviously your career ended didn't it because you you broke your leg was it in your second game
2: second game it was yeah I broke my leg it was one of the injuries that at that time it was always going to be a test whether how well it would heal, it, you know. I snapped my shin and my tibia and fibula. I mean, it seems they do it now, and they're, they're back playing same season. No, there's so much treatment they get, but there were just masses of complications with mine, and I ended up having twenty-one ops of it next six <sighs> years. So that, that that effectively just finished my career. Do you, do you still
1: have trouble with, you with yeah, it now? Then I yeah, guess yeah, you've twenty-one nightmare. ops. I mean, that's
2: yeah, incredible. It's, it is an absolute nightmare. I can't really run at all, do anything anymore, and I haven't done for a long time. But I've moved on now from from that. I don't need to run anymore. So so it's not so bad
1: but is it quite difficult to, to take when an injury kind of takes that away from you rather than you kind of retiring on your own terms yeah,
2: I think if it had happened three years earlier four years earlier then it would have been but I was by this time I think I was about 32 so I've been playing professional football like you say I remember my debut at 17 so I've been playing first team football for 15 years I'd, I'd had a good career played at some great clubs some great memories that, like the ones we've talked about so it wasn't like it took it away from me before I got any of them memories or, or done anything anything had any moves so it was easier for me to do that and then it was easier for me not to stay in football because I spent most of the next six years either in pot or on crutches after 21 operations so it, six sort of way it helped me come to terms
1: and a lot of people have been asked what have you done since football so you say you've not been involved in it
2: yeah, I, I work with young people yeah that, that have been in trouble just trying to rehabilitate them and try and prevent them getting in any any more trouble in future yeah, and is, that, yeah.
1: is that easier or harder than playing Steve Bruce and
2: <laughs> Sometimes it's easier, but most of the time it's it's harder. You know, they, these young people have got a lot of complexity about their lives and everything. It's not just sense they might or might not have been involved in It's it's about their backgrounds and where they've come from, the trauma that they've had to deal with in their lives as well. So there's there's a lot going on behind the scenes with these young people.
1: It's a rewarding job. Just to finish off a few sort of quick fire questions: Who who's the best manager that you've ever played for?
2: A lot of the managers I played with had their own expertise, obviously, to get. To get their managers' jobs, Alan Little, fantastic motivator, John Ward, quieter but knew everything about the game, Paul Jewell, great manager, all round. Favorite game you've ever played in? I enjoyed my debut. I remember debut, like I said, 17-year-old uh, Molyneux at Wolves, Wolves away, we drew, and our keeper Callum O'Hanlon saved a penalty last few minutes at game to to get us a point. So I'll, I'll never forget that. There's masses, you know. You look at your Wembleys and. Your Celtics and your Man United. There's, you know the QPR game at Bradford. There's, I've loads and loads of memories. And
1: um, I was gonna say favourite goal, but I don't know whether that was that the Man City one for Bradford. Is that you, Man, say you Man City one, your favourite yeah.
2: one? Robbie Blake, chip one five, made a run from midfield, he chipped one forward, and I just stuck my toe out and brought it down and lobbed keeper.
1: And um, best player played with and against?
2: Paul Gascoigne, played against in a reserve game. Horrible, nasty disgusting mouth you know out of shape ridiculous looking player that just ran rings round us on his own it was unbelievable and <laughs> played with who was the best player you played with it's too many to mention a lot of great players you know particularly towards the end of my career and I brought up at Bradf- Bradford and up at Aberdeen some fantastic players but I always said one of the best players I ever played with was Andy McMillan down here he was the fittest man I've ever met one of the best passers of a ball I've ever met Andy Mack would have played for England if he'd have had a bit of nastiness and he, he was just a little bit too nice but a, f- a fantastic footballer I just wish he'd have had a little bit of a mean streak through him because he could have gone all the way Andy Mack, he had everything
1: Well Nigel, it's been an absolute pleasure I've re- really, really enjoyed that and I hope you've enjoyed it too Brilliant, yeah, cheers That was
2: Nigel Pepper there first guest of our
3: new series Many thanks to him for giving up his time to be interviewed by York Hospital Radio. It's really interesting that when I first met him before the interview, we were chatting off air and I was asking him if he really missed playing football and, and he sort of dismissed it really and said, not really. After the interview, he said, actual fact now that I've reminisced on my memories and stuff, perhaps I do miss it. So that was quite a nice moment really. Other thanks obviously go to Huxley Sports Bar who have kindly agreed to sponsor a couple of episodes for this series, Nigel Pepper being the first one there. I think Haxby Sports Bar is quite well known to York City fans given the recent fans forum if you haven't been down there it's a really good place to you know, watch football, play darts snooker like we said at the start of the programme also if you want to book out rooms for functions and stuff like that And obviously final thanks goes to you the listeners for tuning in once more the second series, honestly, wouldn't have happened without the kind of feedback we got for the first series. So, you know, you guys were an inspiration really to hunt down some more ex-York City players and get some insights off them. So, you know, keep listening. Thanks again. I'm sure, you'll enjoy the next two episodes.